It is time to kick off 2022. I am Sean Curtis, joined by Mike Mastovich. It is the kickoff edition of the TD Club. This is a podcast about high school football and it's a rich history in the area. We've got a lot to talk about. And I think the biggest thing is what do we expect in 2022? Yeah, there's so much going on right now. Uh, the, the area conferences, as we've written about many times uh, throughout the past year and a half, uh, evolving, I guess, is the right word. Um, the Laurel Highlands uh, is looking strong again this year. The, the uh, Heritage Conference picked up uh, another new team in Portage, and uh, a lot of the Westpac teams are gearing up for either joining the Heritage next year or the Intercounty Conference. The Laurel Highlands will expand, so this will be the last uh, – season as we've come to expect high school football in this area. And there's already been a few changes uh, this year, as I mentioned, with uh, Portage and the co-ops uh, with United and Black Lake Valley being United Valley in the Heritage. And it's it's a new look for the Heritage Conference, as you just mentioned. Uh, Portage joining, giving that conference an even number again. And that was after the departure of Blairsville and Salzburg as those two schools merge to become River Valley. So Portage will make it, and then you're going to have Conemaugh Township and Conemaugh Valley joining next year. And you've got a six-team Westpac. And I think I think this is the big, the big piece right now is the Westpac is going to be no more after 2022. You're going to have, as we said, Conemaugh Valley, Conemaugh Township. They're going to depart. They're going to join the Heritage Conference your remaining schools, your Myersdale, North Star, Winburn, Berlin, Brothers Valley, are going to join the Intercounty Conference. And that's going to leave the Westpac without any football presence at all. Yeah, and I talked to the people on uh, Media Day at Wimber Stadium a couple of weeks ago, and the word that kept coming up was bittersweet. Um, other coaches said, nah, whatever, we're all going to be playing each other in the Intercounty Conference anyway, uh, for the most part. But bittersweet was a word that Matt Grohall used, Doug Paul used at Berlin, Matt Grohall at Wimber. Uh, Bob Landis was a little less sentimental and said, hey, we're going to be playing three, you know, three of these guys, you know, next year. And, uh, you know, we're going to meet some new rivals. So I guess it depends on how you look at it. Uh, uh, speaking of Bishop Guilfoyle, uh, was Justin Wheeler was talking about, you know, they're going to be losing some of their uh, their teams, but they'll be getting to play uh, with the enlarged uh Laurel Highlands, they'll be playing more of the Blair County teams that would be, you'd think traditionally would be more suited to play uh, Bishop Guilfoyle, which is based in Altoona. So. Well, and I mean, that's that was Bishop Guilfoyle's playground before Bishop Guilfoyle joined the Laurel Highlands Conference back, I think it was like 2007. So it, it makes sense. You're going to rekindle some stuff. And I can remember it was just a really weird winter and spring as all of these dominoes fell. And then were set up, and then some fell again. For a while, you were looking at a, what was it, like 2017 Laurel Highlands. Yeah. Everybody was approved for that. And then suddenly, uh, people were, when the dominoes, as you said, started falling, then the intercounty conference came back in. And, and originally, the intercounty only wanted uh, people in all sports and, and things like that. And that, that prevented schools from jumping there. And therefore, uh, most of our Westpac schools got approved to join the Lower Highlands by their school boards. But then whenever a few things didn't pan out the way everybody thought they were going to pan out, the Intercounty Conference 
came looking for schools that would be in, in football uh, and then everything started changing and school boards were having a second vote like a month later. And, and it was during that stretch where there was just that basically just a super conference. And I mean, the Laurel Highlands Conference starting next year is going to be a super conference, even without the Somerset County schools joining on. But my fear was, at least in terms of how the teams competed in 2021 and like in recent years, there were going to be some very uncomfortable games, potentially. Um, and I think that was the one thing that like made me reluctant. I, I did like it because I do like the traditional rivalries. So in a situation like now where Conwell Township is going to go to the Heritage and a school like Winber is going to join the Intercounty Conference, you've got two schools that are about 10 miles apart that aren't going to play each other unless they see each other in the District 5 playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that, that's one of the things. But I was thinking – uh, from a coverage standpoint, it's selfishly thinking like, wow, this is going to be cool. All these local teams are going to be playing in the same conference for once, and uh, it'll be pretty neat. But then that kind of went by the wayside. And uh, some of those schools, you know, they'll be playing each other in that intercounty conference. But then some of those other schools are quite a hike. So it'll be interesting to see who plays who. Like Matt Grohall talked about, um, you know, a few of the schools like Tussie Mountain, they're, they're accustomed to playing them here and there in the past. And, uh, you know, he threw out a couple other names that would be geographically logical for some of these Somerset County schools to play, whereas there are other ones that are on the far end of the inner county. You'd think like, whoa, that'd be I, crazy to play there. I'm thinking that nobody's going to want to make that trip to Southern Huntingdon. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful place. Uh, we're just talking strictly mileage. in mileage and <laughs> School bus time drives. spent on bus. <laughs> um, but I – and I was advocating this all throughout last season when we were seeing the writing on the wall that maybe the Westpac wasn't going to be long for the world. And, and I say this strictly from the heart. I do not have an ear inside, you know, these closed door meetings. I do not have eyes. I don't have like somebody feeding me information. I really was hoping that the heritage conference would just absorb the Westpac if only in football to just relaunch Appalachian Conference 2.0. And because I thought that was the simplest way to, one, keep the Westpac together in other sports, which I think is was probably something that a lot of people wanted to see. You know, if, okay, if we can't have the big football conference like we once did, at least keep everything together in basketball, keeping it together in baseball, track and field, wrestling, and so on. But now you've got Conwell Township departing for the Heritage Conference. And it just, that that's like the one thing that is just really going to stick out for me is that you would look at the calendar. And I mean, with other sports, it's going to be a little easier to like fit in that Monday game and say, okay, hey, this is a non-conference game, but we want you in our gym. We'll come to your gym next year, or we'll see you at your tournament or whatever. But in football, it's just looking at that schedule starting next year. You're not going to see Conema Township v. Winber. You're not going to see North Star v. Conema Township. You're not going to see Conema Valley v. Berlin. You know, games that were always 
pretty entertaining when both teams involved were at their peak. I mean, going through the results for last season, it slipped my mind how good of a game that Kanawha Valley Berlin game was in week two last year. It really established Kanawha Valley as being a team that could be a contender, could be a player in the postseason, and they were. Yeah, and I, I guess some of the reasoning for some of the, for the move out of uh, the Westpac. Just talking to Marty Slanek at uh, Portage, he was he was the quotes. Some of the quotes that I'll be using in the the previews. Um, he talked about how it was beyond the varsity level. He said, "Now you know we don't have to look around and try to pray to find a JV game in this sport or that sport." Uh, you know, so like. They were looking at a big picture, not just like the varsity football is what everybody remembers yeah. for the most part. That's not a knock on any other sport, but like Friday night lights and the crowds and everything like that are uh, tied to football. But they, they were talking about how important it was, hey, now we'll have a JV schedule again. You know, now we won't have to worry that this team, you know, team A can't show up or doesn't have enough people. So it, it extends farther than varsity and extends, you know, beyond football. Even when you talk to Jody Rainey, uh, of the Heritage Conference from Homer Center. He talks about the academic portion, the academic <laughs> achievements and competitions that this the Heritage Conference has now. So it'll be interesting to see. And then you, you still have your Laurel Highlands. I, I was just looking when I wrote the, the preview there. I mean, you know, in that conference, you had a uh, state champion. You had four district slash sub-regional champions just from one conference there. So, so that's uh, very, very strong. And the Heritage Conference is on the uptick and uh, – you know, we got Ligonier Valley over in the Whippeal, which is a really obviously a very tough conference, and uh, they extended their winning streak to seven straight seasons and advanced to the playoffs last year. So a lot of good things happening in the area and in all the conferences. Now, what else is there to expect in 2022? Uh, again, the big the big piece here is that there's going to be more realignment, but just – in the 10 to however many weeks it takes until all of our teams complete their seasons, and if all 21 of our teams can somehow win a state championship, I'm for it. But, uh, like, what what would you expect? What would you point our eyes and ears toward as the season begins? Well, a couple big things, uh, and, and some, you know, this doesn't have to do with a championship, but this is uh, changing the landscape uh, in some ways tradition of 50, 60 years or whatever, but the Price Field renovation upgrade at uh, Westmont Hilltop uh, made Price Field, everybody uh, familiar with it knows that it used to be a uh, Saturday afternoon ball games for the home games for Westmont Hilltop. And uh, that was to their advantage a lot of times. They pulled off some major upsets. We were just talking about one of the greatest games ever played there, 93 when uh, Bedford with Bill Benbow went up against Westmont with Herb Alston, uh, a great cast. Uh, always played on Saturday afternoons. Well, now after much discussion over the years and other times where it looked like it was going to happen but didn't happen, it's finally happened. Westmont Hilltop has had an incredible renovation, remodeling, whatever you want to call it. They, they're having artificial turf, a reconfigured field, great uh, upgrades on the bleachers, uh, the stands, and of course – for the first time, Friday night lights, they are installing, well, by now they are installed, uh, lights. And Westmont will now play on Friday nights instead of Saturday afternoons. And just everything about it has generated excitement. The Tribune Democrat uh, 
put together a, a special tab uh, with the uh, Westmont School District's uh, support of it. And um, just a lot of happening there for, for one school district. So that that's a big thing right off the bat uh, to see that first Friday night game, Central Cambria at Westmont Hilltop. And uh, some other things uh, we talk about, uh, co-ops have been creating uh, success for some teams that struggled with depth in recent years. Conemaugh Valley and Ferndale will be in the third year of Conemaugh Valley hosting uh, the Ferndale players. And uh, they went from struggling, both of those teams, to success each of the first two years. And they're looking at number three. Last year was uh, Shade and Conemaugh Township. were part of Conemaugh Township program. Well, this year, and this is another impact on the Westpac, uh, Blacklick Valley, which was a Westpac team, has co-opted with United, which is a heritage team. And they will be United Valley Lions, and therefore that's one less uh, Westpac team again this year. And I just spoke to Kevin Marabito, the coach at United, and he said it's made a huge difference. He said last year United had 27 players when they had an incredibly bad rash of injuries. They were down to 21 players. As of the second week of camp, United Valley has 50 players. He said they have four quarterbacks. Last year when the United quarterback got hurt in week one, it changed the whole season. You move talented athlete into the quarterback spot, that affects his spot. Then suddenly you're moving three or four guys around. Well, this year they have four quarterbacks vying for the position in the second week of camp. So um, 50 players at United, that used to be the norm back in the 80s and 90s. Well, now it's, uh, it's a refreshing uh, change for both Blacklick and United, they have kind of um, they've worked together on the uniforms. The colors incorporate both uh, Blacklick gray and United blue. Uh, they have blue helmets with stripes that have Blacklick colors. They plan to play one scrimmage game at Nanny Glow and one regular season game at Nanny Glow, and the rest will be at Medill Field in United. So um, working together, it seems to be the trend. Uh, Everybody thought when Carmel Valley and Ferndale did it, they thought, wow, two fierce rivals like that. How's this going to work? Everything I've talked to, the coaches and players involved with those schools, it's made a huge difference. It's been a positive experience. And so far, Kevin Marabito says the same thing is happening at United Valley right now. And I think there is a history of when there have been either school mergers like Laurel Valley and Ligonier Valley in 2010 or co-ops out of necessity when – Schools drop football. You had Rockwood joining, joining Berlin Brothers Valley. You've had Shade joining Connemaw Township. Bishop Carroll joining Bishop McCourt. Ferndale, Connemaw Valley, now Black Lake Valley and United. That the programs get a boost. Um, if only because the depth improves. I, I mean, Ligonier Valley in 2010, like, really just came out of the gates very strong after that merger. And it was a very, very heated situation going into that. And football helped those communities heal. Yeah, and they had an incredible run. And still, uh, whenever they switched to the Whippeal, it happened to be a year that they had huge graduation losses and a lack of depth for the first time in a, quite a few years. And they still managed to have a winning record. And then last year, uh, they went up, started out great. I think it was 5-0. and Ran into a stretch of injuries, even had a forfeit one game because of lack of players. They still finished eight and three and, and went to the playoffs. So yeah, that's a that's another uh, 
you know, another merger slash co-op that uh, just paid huge dividends. Uh, Ligonier had that incredible run where the first three or four years of the Appalachian Bowl, uh, they just dominated. So, so yeah, that's worked for them. And you had mentioned another one, uh, McCourt-Carroll is what they're calling each other now, uh, calling the team now. But Bishop McCourt took in the uh, Bishop Carroll program last year and uh, made some strides on the field. Uh, not a winning record, but uh, big strides and, and the depth issue we talked about. This year, they're actually doing something uh, pretty interesting. On Media Day, the Lorehans Media Day over at Trojan Stadium back in late July, uh, McCourt came in and they were wearing uh, almost like Notre Dame style navy blue uniforms instead of the Crimson Crushers crimson color. And I asked Tom Smith, he said, well, is this like something you're going to do for a game to pay homage to uh, Bishop Carroll because that was closer to their colors? He said, no, this is our new color. We wanted uh, uh, I had this in is one of the tab stories as well. But he said they wanted to um, show how much they welcomed the Bishop Carroll kids to the program by taking on the Bishop Carroll colors. But at the same time, uh, they wanted to pay a tribute to one of the greatest crushers ever was Pete Duranco, who played at Bishop McCourt, graduated in 62. He was known as the Diesel. He went to Notre Dame, was an All-American, played on a national championship team. Then he played in the NFL with the Denver Broncos. And then Pete was known after his playing career for – as a champion for a fight against Lou Gehrig's disease and, and concussions and things like that. So they wanted to pay tribute to Pete and Pete's ties to Notre Dame and to the Bishop Carroll kids. So it'd be very different not seeing uh, Bishop McCourt wearing uh, the, the crimson color. And now they're known as McCourt Carroll crushers, just crushers. Yeah, it'll be a, a big shock to see, just the different colors, especially with the gold helmets. Uh, you know, it's just something you always expect to see with Bishop McCourt. You're still going to see the gold helmets. It's just now you're going to see a blue jersey or a white jersey trimmed with blue and gold. Um, another thing to expect every Saturday during football season is the point after TD. It's our special Saturday section. We convert our Saturday sports section into a tab format, and we put everything high school football any kind of locally relevant, you know, pro and college sports, that's where you'll find it on Saturdays in one big special section. It's always it's always a good time to read them. Um, a lot of hard work goes into putting them together, though. Um, so we have, you know, we have spoken about a lot of things. I, Mike, we are... Very close to kickoff. We're very close to kickoff, and it's going to be an exciting season. What what else do you have to add? I mean, you have put in a lot of work. By the time that our readers will get their hands on the opening TD football preview, you will have written, gosh, tens of thousands of words. Yes, without a doubt. Well, that was the funny thing on the uh, Laurel Highlands Media Day. And it was right before the AAA tournament. So I, I did not want to make the mistake I made one other year where I, I did like my, I think I had 28 interviews that day on my phone, on my digital recorder. And one year before that, I did the interviews and I said, okay, I'm too busy going into the AAA. I'll do this after AAA. I learned, do not wait to transcribe your tape. So I did 28 interviews and I came back to the Trib that night after being at Trojan Stadium. And I said, no matter what, I am transcribing every one of these interviews. And 
for people that don't understand what that means, transcribing, you, you, you put on the, the earbuds and then play the tape. And then since we have to get it exactly right, you might play the same sentence five times to make sure you get that quote right. I take it serious. Like when people say, oh, I misquoted. No, nah, uh, I had the tape. I listened to it five times and typed that sentence exactly the way you said it. <laughs> so I had that night, I think it took me three hours. And I had, um, boy, I wish I would have wrote this down because it was an incredible number of inches, like hundreds of inches of copy and characters. So just in transcribing those 28 interviews on one media day, not the other two, but one, it took like basically an entire shift. But that's, that was all in the can, as we call it. Then I went on to my Triple ABA, and when the Triple ABA tournament ended, I had all that stuff typed in. I just went back. I had printed it out, reviewed it, and decided what stories I was going to write in what order and what angles I was going to take. That's kind of funny that you would mention that because transcribing that tape was like, by the end of that, that night I said, okay, all right, I'm done. I, I think I'll go go home and have an IC light and uh, call it a night. <laughs> so It's... It's a labor of love. So we will be returning to an every week format for the TD Club live with a podcast. Some like Thursday or Friday every week, you know, opening the door a little bit. I, I would like to get some guests on, even if like we have to, you know, maybe record audio, you know, away from our studio here at the Tribune Democrat and, you know, incorporate that because it's not it's not about us. It's not about our voices. It's about those who are playing, those who are coaching, those who are involved. So any coaches or players who are listening to this particular edition of the TD Club, by all means, hit our hit up our inbox. Mike, it's, this is what, 36, 37 seasons for you? Yeah, 36 at the Trib, and uh, my first year was at the Indiana Gazette, and I can remember my first game I covered there, and the lights going out at uh, Purchase Line, <laughs> a transformer uh, smoke flying out. It was preparing me for my future covering uh, games at Point Stadium, I guess. Yeah, I remember my first game there with the Gazette, and um, that's an interesting story there because uh, a guy who I would work with later, Kirk Swagger, wrote the preview for the Indiana Gazette for, uh, I think it was Purchase Line against, uh, it was either Penn's Manor or Mo Valley. But anyway, it was like an 8-6 game. Purchase Line won, but the preview was not favorable to purchase line. And it talked about, uh, you know, a losing streak and losing tradition. And here I was a young reporter. I didn't know anything about that preview. I didn't write it. And I went out there, <laughs> covered the game. And after the purchase line had won, the coach, uh, Rick was his name. Uh, he tore into me. Oh, yeah, you guys said we we lost and all this. I'm thinking I'm a young reporter. Thinking, oh, my God, is every game like this where the coach yells and screams at you? And but I found out, uh, you know, it wasn't always like that. But uh it was, it was a good learning experience. <laughs> I think it's a little another uh, nugget we should drop in. You know, if we uh, pick against your school, it's not because we dislike your school. This wasn't even a pick. It was just a preview yeah. said that they were on a rough stretch and the guy took it personally, which people often do. A lot of times I write something, I think, oh, my gosh, he took that as meaning this. <laughs> but, yeah, that's happened a lot of times where people will read something and uh, just freak out. You think, like, wow, that's the farthest thing from what I was trying to get across. But – they took it that way, so that's what it meant to them. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, like during that creative processing, and we're just peeling back that curtain a little bit, we write something in a certain way that, like, we're conveying a fact, and you can look at it like a day or so later and think, "Oh my gosh, that was really harsh," or like, 
Or somebody says, hey, like, we didn't like how that was worded. And then you look at it and go, yeah, okay, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. So, again, we're we're never here to, you know, produce anything malicious. All right, Mike, I, I think this is a great spot to uh, get out of everybody's ears so they can get to games. Exactly. Uh, by the time that we will be kicking off the season... It, I mean, this is going to be, it's going to be a big year for individuals, coaches, and then also teams and schools. And again, the Westpac, Um, you know, if the Westpac can go out with a bang, I I don't know how the Westpac would go out with it, but it's, it's going to be interesting. And I think that's going to be another thing just touching on real quick is because the Westpac numbers are so depleted in number of teams. You're going to see some very interesting matchups on the schedule. Yeah, everybody's been trying to fill those spots. Some teams are playing West Virginia in West Virginia and like across the state. <laughs> Winbur is opening at Fairfield, which is a hike. So uh, you're going to see some very interesting matchups this season that you may not see again. So I just... If you're fortunate enough to get out to a game, uh, to make a trip either to your local school or anywhere else, by all means, do it. Um, if you are if you are unable, if you can find a way to get a radio feed and or a video broadcast, by all means, just give those kids, give those schools, give those coaches your support. For Mike Mastovich and Mastovich at TribDem.com, I am Sean Curtis, S. Curtis at TribDem.com. Thanking you for listening to another episode of the TD Club, and congratulations, you have made it to the end.